You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, this is Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist, host of the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I am coming to you today from, well, I'm in a little village called Garden City in Long Island, just outside of Manhattan, maybe 30 minutes, it was a 30 minute drive from the LaGuardia Airport last night, and I'm here for a corporate event. So if the sound is not um, as crisp as it usually is, I'm not sure if it's that crisp to begin with, but if the sound is a little bit different, uh, I'm, I'm recording from the hotel because there was a snowstorm last night that canceled my flight and I had to reroute. And so this is what we're left with. So hopefully you can still hear me and bear my voice. Um, I'm excited today to answer a smorgasbord (laughs) of questions I've received. And what I do with all the questions I receive on Instagram and Twitter and on our website contact form is I try and categorize them into categories so that we can come up with relevant and interesting podcast topics, but these ones didn't really fit in a specific category, and one of them is time sensitive, so I've thrown them all together into the smorgasbord, and yeah, some of them are interesting. Some of them have to do with dating, which isn't exactly my focus, but I do hear, of course, hundreds of stories of daters in my travels and in my work, so before we get started, I'll say Thank you so much to Desire Resorts for their support of this podcast. Desire Resorts has two properties on the Mayan Riviera and a cruise leaving from Barcelona next month in April. I will be on board. My way better half, Bryn, will be on board. And um, so check them out at Desire Resorts. Now our first question, I have no name, I have no age listed here. It says, I got married last year and now my best friend says I'm not a good wing woman anymore since I became a missus. So she's single and I miss hanging out with her. How can I be a better friend to a single lady and go out with her and have a good time while still being loyal to my hubby? Well, I wish I had a dating expert here with me, but I'll say first and foremost, leave your partner at home. If you're one of those people that is bringing your partner everywhere, I think it can be wearing on your friends. So, you know, if you used to have girls' nights, for instance, and of course not all of your friends are girls, but if you did, those don't need to stop just because you've partnered up. And that's a mistake that a lot of married, especially newlywed people make. They think they need to do everything together. And, you know, I really believe that the more you act like you're single, but still show respect and reverence and dedication to your relationship, the better your relationship is. And what I mean by that is don't stop doing the things you did when you were single. Don't stop joining clubs or teams or groups or meetups or going out with friends and family. Uh, I know that uh, obviously a relationship takes work and time, but you can still make time for other people in your life. And then the second thing I'm thinking, based on a story I heard from a, a relatively young dater the other day, is that you need to be friendly when you're out and about. Even if you're in a committed relationship, it doesn't preclude you from, you know, engaging in friendly chit-chat while your friend flirts it up with a potential love interest next to you at the bar. You can chat 
with a friend or with a stranger without crossing any lines so that your friend still has a time to, still has some time to get to know whoever she's talking to a little bit better. So you don't have to sit at the bar with your arms crossed and say I'm married. You can still be friendly. I mean, this is coming from me who's a little extreme and will talk to everyone. <laughs> talk to the wall. But yeah, so leave your partner at home and be friendly when you're out and about. You don't have to change, you know, your your how do I say it? Your superficial interactions just because you're married. I'm not saying hide your wedding ring, but yeah, be friendly. Let's warm up this nation wherever you are, especially if you're in the West. All right, the next person wants to know, I've been with a new guy for almost six months, but I'm struggling with his past because he's had so many partners. I've only had four, and his number is way up in the double digits. Help, how can I not let my feelings ruin this relationship? I like the way it's going. All right, and then she proceeds to uh, list a bunch of this new guy's characteristics. So all positive stuff. Now, I guess my first response would, would be to say, you know, it's normal to feel a little insecure or threatened by your partner's past, especially because your imagination is likely wilder than his reality. I say his talking about a guy of obviously uh doesn't matter what gender your partner is so yeah your imagination is likely wilder than your partner's past so some of us get all riled up over the possibility that former lovers were more adventurous or more skilled than we are and I think others worried that the wild past is a sign that you know I'll never be enough to satiate your needs so what's most important here from my perspective, is that you figure out what threatens you about his past. What's bothering you? And identify how you need to feel to get over it. So what is the threat and what is the feeling you need to address that threat? What is the feeling that will assuage some of your fears? So for example, If you're threatened by the sheer number of partners, uh, perhaps you're worried that, perhaps the real hot thought is that you're worried that he'll just want more and more and more and you'll never be enough. So you need to let him know. You need to say something along the lines of, I love you. I like the way this is going. Uh, I am concerned and I need to know that I'm enough for you. And if I'm not, let's talk about it. So that requires you to be vulnerable, and if you've listened to my podcast on intimacy, this is ultimately, if you're both kind to one another and considerate and can communicate with level heads, this is going to lead to more intimacy. So if the threat is that you're not going to be enough, talk about it, right? And tell him how he needs to help make you feel, but also do what it takes to make yourself feel that way. Your partner is not fully responsible for your emotions you have to take some responsibility too. Now, if on the other hand it's a self-confidence issue, if you're worried that you don't approach sex with the same finesse as his former lovers, uh, it's time to boost your sexual self-esteem and maybe even brush up on your sexual skills. Um, you know, ask him how how he likes it. Get him to show you with his hands, maybe read some scenes from a book and find out how he responds to them or or watch a television show or even watch porn and observe and listen to his responses. There is no reason why why you can't learn every technique under the sun. I always say this, that 
Sex is actually really easy from a technical perspective. You can learn all the different hand job, blow job, going down, kissing, seduction techniques a monkey can do. I say that all the time. But it's about boosting your self-esteem so that you can actually undertake them. And, of course, you know, maintaining the connection over the long run, but you've only been together six months, so you're probably not at that stage at this point. So I, I do have some video courses, uh, Drive Him Wild with Pleasure and Drive Her Wild with Pleasure, so you can take a look at those courses on my site. Um, and then there's the cognitive side. So we've talked about identifying your hot thought and explaining how you need to feel to overcome it. We've talked about just boosting self-confidence in terms of skills. But the cognitive side is, you know, if you think back about all of your past lovers, do they really matter to you? Do you dream of them? Do you fantasize of them when you're with him? And the answer is probably not. So that's why you're with him. So reassure yourself that this works on the flip side as well. Reassure yourself that his thought process is likely similar to yours so you can let the past go. He's with you, he's not with them. And he's been honest about his past, it sounds like. And you've listed all these good qualities. So now if he's still friends with some of his exes, which is pretty common in 2018, especially with digital connections, I say be sure to let him know that you want to be included in the friendship and in the socializing so that, you know, he's really reiterating to you and to his social circles that you're his primary focus now. And that's one way he can demonstrate that is by in including you. So hopefully that's helpful to you. I don't think you have to worry. I really believe the past is the past. And we've got to live in the present and look forward to the future. And, uh, you know, all these things you've written. I didn't read out all of his wonderful traits here about being a great listener. There's, she wrote um, kind of a paragraph here. But obviously you've got something good, so focus on the good. And uh, talk about your vulnerabilities as honestly as you can and be really clear about what you need in terms of support. Okay, that, this, this next question came on Twitter. It says, Jess, I heard you use a bunch of terms in a radio ad recently. Dogging, ski polling, the rusty trombone. What are you talking about? What do they mean? Well, I don't think that was me because <laughs> I'm not in any radio ads. And I can't recall using those terms as of late, but I'm happy to define them really quickly. This is why it's a, as I said, a smorgasbord here. So ski polling, this is a sex term where you lie on your back and you reach behind your shoulders Two stroke, two penises, one in each hand at the same time, like you're using ski poles. Yeah, really relevant information there. <laughs> um, dogging. Now, if I talked about dogging, although again, I don't think this was actually me. Dogging is more of a UK-based term that refers to having sex in public, often in a park while others watch. So a lot of us are exhibitionists. Many of us are va va <laughs> voyeurs. <laughs> So uh, yeah, that's what dogging means. And then the rusty trombone involves, you need a partner with a penis for this one. You go down on his butt from behind and then you reach around to stroke the shaft like you're playing a trombone. There you go. All right, I don't know if that person's just messing with me, but I've given you these useful definitions or not so useful, nonetheless. Next one, this one says, Jess, I was 
at one of your women's workshops and you said that even you have trouble initiating sex. Yes, I do. I have all the information in the world, but I still struggle with it. And she goes on to say, that's surprising because you seem like the most confident woman ever. Ha ha ha, you don't know me. (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm working on my confidence. But for a normal person like me, how do I build up my confidence to initiate? I've been married 11 years and my husband complains that I don't ever initiate. Well, I'm the expert but not always putting into practice. I'll tell you what works for me at times and just remind you that I'm far from perfect and I fail and sometimes I fall asleep wishing I had initiated or waiting for him to initiate. But one thing that does tend to work is to get turned on first. So... I've talked about in the past that desire doesn't always precede arousal. Sometimes you need arousal in order to spawn desire. It's not something that necessarily arises naturally or spontaneously. So let your mind wander, touch yourself, do whatever you can to turn yourself on because in that state of arousal, we tend to have more confidence and we tend to let our inhibitions and our fears slide. So get turned on. That's one, I guess, trick of the trade. The other is is to ask and be playful. So this is something that I do. Uh, you know, you're still initiating, but you're not the one doing the physical component of initiating, if that makes sense. So it's simply verbal, which can be easier for many of us. So you might say, hey, you in the mood? Or hey, you playing being, <laughs> excuse me, see how nervous I am? <laughs> you might say, hey, uh, you know, do you want to go upstairs and play? Or hey, do you want some of this? So you're using your your language to initiate, but you don't physically have to, you know, use your hands or your mouth or your tongue or your, your ear or your baby toe or whatever it is you use to <laughs> initiate sex. And then if that still feels like too much, if you have trouble saying the words, I suggest the steamy shower approach. So either you join your hubby, in your case, I think you call them your husband, in the shower. Uh, You either join him in the shower or you write a note like, I want you on the steamy mirror so he sees it when he gets out. And if he's tasked with most of the initiating, it also means he's tasked with most of the fear of rejection. And most of us struggle with confidence to initiate sex for fear of rejection. It's a universal fear uh, in all humans intended to protect us as social beings. So he'll likely appreciate your being direct and it'll give him a confidence boost too. So you can just write, I want you or some permutation of that on the steamy shower. Uh, And then another option would be to ask him how he wants to be seduced. And knowing that you that your actions or your seduction method, your initiation reflects his desires can boost your confidence as well. So ask him to describe what he would want in an ideal scenario. Does he want you to move slowly and blindfold him and tease and take your time? Oh, blindfolds are a great idea too. I always find that when they're blindfolded, it makes me less self-conscious. Um, so yeah, does he want you to be slow and play with a blindfold or does he want you to just jump his bones as soon as you walk through the door at the end of the day? Not likely if you have kids. <laughs> um, does he want to just arrive in bed and you're already playing with your fingers or your favorite toy? There are all these different ways to initiate that don't look like the scenes 
typically depicted in popular media. And that's one of the challenges is that many of us are intimidated by the act of initiating sex because we think it needs to be this super sultry, perfect seduction routine like what we see on television shows and movies. And, you know, there are many other ways to do it. So you got to ask him what he's into. And, you know, that's the thing about sex. If you want to have the sex, you're going to have to talk about the sex. I say that over and over again. So good luck to you. Um, I would say channel your inner Dr. Jess, but I'm not sure I, in in uh, practice, am that much help. In theory, though, hopefully, <laughs> I'm helping as well. And, you know, when you guys send in your questions, it's a reminder to me of all the things that I could do better or do more of in my relationships. So I, I'm lucky and thankful that you're opening up in such a, you know, vulnerable and intimate way. All right. This is from a college student. He says he's in, oh, he's on the west coast of Canada. I won't say the city. So I don't identify him. And he says, I keep hearing that I should use my hands during sex to help my girlfriend orgasm, but I don't know what this means. Where do I put them? Well, this, of course, conjures images of Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights. Where do I put my hands? If you don't know the movie, it's a ridiculous Will Ferrell movie. And he becomes this superstar as a race car driver. And he has to be interviewed uh, in, you know, on television. And he, his hands start sliding up his body because he doesn't know what to do with them on camera. Anyhow, I'm not making fun of you. Just thinking of Ricky Bobby here. So this is a nice and easy question. Obviously, everybody is different, so the best solution, of course, is to ask your partner where to put them or to take their hand and follow their hand. But one quick tip that a lot of people like is to reach down and press your whole hand against her pubic mound. So that's that area, uh, that patch of skin where the pubic hair grows, of course, these days, there's a lot of laser and stuff going on, but you know, you can find it, the pubic mound. And uh, press against that so that she can grind against your hand and just kind of follow the pressure and rhythm of her grinding. So that's one option. And now you've referred to your girlfriend, but for those who have partners who have penises, another option if you're having intercourse with a penis is to kind of reach around or reach behind or depends what position you're in and take a couple of fingers like your index and your middle finger and press them firmly into the base of his penis on the underside. So if you're using enough lube, you can keep your fingers in place and let his shaft kind of slide against your fingers with some good pressure on that lower bottom third. So this would be um, the bottom side of the penis just kind of above the balls but on the shaft. And this is considered the orgasmic platform of the penis, that lower third. So a couple of options for using your hands during intercourse. And next week, I think I've got a real sex sex expert, technique sex expert joining me who uh, will offer some additional insight on stuff you can do with your hands and your face and your mouth and all that fun stuff. Okay, this last question is the one that inspired me to do this podcast with this mix of questions because this is a timely question from another university student. And she says... It's spring break, and I'm bringing home my very first boyfriend next week to meet the family. Can I do anything to make sure my family likes him? Well, hopefully your liking him lays the groundwork for their liking him too. 
But uh, I suppose I was thinking that, well, obviously you need to let your know, your family know that you'll be bringing him ahead of time so that there are no surprises. I would suggest you also discuss sleeping arrangements ahead of time so that any, um, how do I say it, any discussion, any potential disagreement, obviously it's their house, it's their call. Sorry, I'm old school like that. Their house, their call. But so that your partner, your new boyfriend isn't, you know, in the middle of that. So let's get that out of the way ahead of time. I was also reading the study that said that sending photos of the two of you together in advance, or even posting those photos on social media, if you allow your family and your parents access to your social media, um, kind of takes advantage of what we call the mere exposure effect. So this suggests that humans find familiar faces more likable. It's I always think of Beyonce, just like that beautiful face, the sound of her voice. The more I see, the more I hear, the more I want. Obviously, she's exceptional to begin with. Uh, but uh, yeah, so send them some photos ahead of time or post some photos. And if you have a big family, hopefully not as big as mine, I am meeting new family all the time, not to make this about me, sorry. If you have a huge family, Brief your partner on your siblings' names and let him know how your parents like to be addressed. Like, for instance, are they comfortable with your friends using their first names or their Mr. and Mrs. or Mr. and Mr., however your parents identify, uh, because there are cultural and just familial differences in this arena, and that can help to ensure that they're showing, that he is showing the respect that is expected of a new welcome to the family. And I also suggest, you said you're going home for spring break. I don't know where you live and where your parents live. But if it's possible to plan a shorter visit, that might be a good idea. (laughs) Because the holidays and large groups of new people can be very overwhelming. So a short visit may help him to ease into your family and their traditions with a little bit more grace. And if a sleepover, of course, is required, uh, you know, make sure that you've briefed him on the sleeping arrangements as well. I don't care if you live with him. I don't care if he sleeps over every night in your dorm or in your house with your roommates. Obviously, the rules of the host's house apply, regardless of your age. I know you're, you're an adult. You're off at school. But, um, yeah, you, you want to help him understand the expectations of respect in your family and I wish you well I hope I don't know I hope for your sake your family lives someplace warm and you're escaping to someplace warm if you're not already there well there you have it that is my smorgasbord of questions I have so many questions waiting in the wings and I welcome more of your questions I want to answer all of them uh you know I I offer some perspective as somebody who studies the data I offer another perspective as somebody who hears hundreds, maybe thousands of stories every year from real couples. And of course, I speak a little from my own experience as well. But my advice is not perfect. I am not perfect. So if something I've said doesn't resonate with you, that's okay. My job is to get you talking. I hope that you talk to your partner or talk to a friend or talk to somebody about it because it's the conversations that make relationships better. It's not that we all need to agree on what a happy 
relationship looks like or what constitutes a lasting relationship, but ultimately we just need to have more of these conversations. So thank you so much for everyone who sent in their questions. Thank you to you for tuning in. I am off. I am, as I said, in Long Island and I'll be hosting a corporate executive retreat tonight in this wild weather. We've got a bit of a, they're calling it a nor'easter. I'm not sure what that means since I'm not a meteorologist. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping people can still come out in Long Island this evening. And uh, it's Friday, March 2nd, and this is the date that this podcast will be released as well. I'm sorry, I'm a couple hours late. You can blame uh, blame the weather and the flights on that. So please follow along. Please share this podcast if you liked it. At Sex with Dr. Jess on all social media. Big thanks to At Desire Resorts for their support of this episode. Really great brand with doing some interesting work in the couple space. So please check them out. And until then, have a lovely week. And I'll be back again every Friday morning. So I'll be back next Friday morning. And I'm really excited for the topic next week. I'm just, I don't want to announce the guest just in case. Uh, you know, anything falls through, but uh, interesting, smart person in the realm of sex and education. So definitely tune in next week. Thanks so much, folks. Have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.